Today is Monday, September 11th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of IntelliGame.us. You're listening to another edition of IntelliGame Radio. Before we get started today, I do want to bring up that it is September 11th, that 16 years ago, a terrorist attack was perpetuated on the United States that irrevocably changed the face of the globe. That there are any number of incidents and situations that we can draw direct lines back to from September 11th, 2001. The Patriot Act, which set into motion a number of powers of surveillance and any other means by the U.S. government that have changed the face of, really, digital society as a whole. War on terror, in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the soldiers from all sorts of different countries who have lost their lives, and the civilians who in even greater numbers have lost their lives. The rise of ISIS, any any number of situations that we can tie back. And of course, there are the people who lost their lives on September 11th, 2001. The people who lost their lives from the World Trade Center attacks, the planes that were crashed, attacking the Pentagon. There's been a lot of harm, a lot of hurt that has directly radiated from that day. When I think about the adage, never forget, which we commonly bring up in in regards to the attacks. And I realize that it's been 16 years since that day that I remember where I was when I first heard the news but that there are people who are legally old enough to drive cars in this country that have no idea where they were or didn't exist at all. I have to, I guess, maybe shift my concept of never forget. I never want to forget the kindness and the generosity that people showed to each other in the days following the attack. I never want to forget the ways that we can look out for each other when times are hardest. Not just back in 2001, but even today, as wildfires rage on the West Coast, as floodwaters continue to do damage in and around Houston, Texas from Hurricane Harvey, as hurricane force winds and uh, certainly floodwaters from Hurricanes Irma and Jose threatened to do even more damage to people in and around Florida, as I believe almost 70%, if not more, of people in Florida currently are without power. I believe that this is a time to never forget the ways that we can look out for each other, to never forget that 
even when things look particularly dark, there is a way to spread light. To never forget that love can overcome hate. And that though those are both generic terms, that we can find our ways to spread love. Whether that's through financial donations or looking out for people who are important to us or volunteering or any number of other things. That when damage is done, we can find ways to make things better. To never forget the power that we have as individuals to improve life when life gives us something terrible. To folks who are grieving, who are remembering lost loved ones, my um, heart goes out to you. And to those who are struggling today and beyond, my uh, heart goes out as well. There is, uh, there are many lists on Twitter and Facebook of different uh, charities that can be contacted to help those particularly who are suffering today. Um, and I encourage you to take some time today to never forget love. I don't want to use too much breath on this, but I do want to address PewDiePie's usage of the N-word over the course of the weekend. Um, it's not that I feel like I'm going to say anything unique, but I do feel like something needs to be said. Over the weekend, PewDiePie, who is one of gaming's most influential YouTube celebrities, has millions of subscribers, and each of his videos get millions of views, um, was on live stream and got frustrated and belted out the N-word at them. And not just belted out the N-word, it wasn't, uh, it, but was calling just a random person who didn't interact with in the same way that somebody might say, oh, asshole, or punk. That, that was his usage of the N-word. The idea that that term was one that you associate uh, particularly with people who are antagonists and frustrating and apparently dumb or moronic. I, I, I'd love to be surprised, except we know that this is a person who continually shows up in, in these situations and uh, has done any number of things ranging from uh, simply irresponsible to downright racist, the death to all Jews prank, quote-unquote prank, the uh, propagation of alt-right and Nazi symbolism in his videos, um, and then to come back and be like, I have no hate in my heart. I, I didn't realize that this Nazi thing was a thing. I'm, I'm honestly, I am fatigued at the frustration because like, this is, this is just another notch. This is just an, a, a, another, well, that's an interesting term to use. This is just another, another situation, another notch in the belt of the irresponsibility, the cultural irresponsibility that PewDiePie perpetuates. And no matter how many times he screws up, he still keeps coming back and we still keep letting him do these things. He's 
still getting millions of dollars of, of ad revenue on on YouTube. I I don't know. I'm just I am frustrated and I want something to be done, but I also I just I don't know that I can stir up the outrage because I I feel like I'm just like, well, this is this is it. This is what you needed. Because uh, we can look at all the other things that this dude has done wrong and realize that we should have taken action a long time ago. Um, of course, the question then is what action is taken? I, I don't know. I just am incredibly disheartened that this is a person who essentially functions as a role model for any number of folks out there who are content creators. This is an idea. Uh, this is what is shown as a concept of success. And that there are folks out there who are going to still want to emulate PewDiePie. People who are going to see racist tendencies validated in media. People are going to see him release another video tomorrow and watch it get millions of views. It's unfortunate. I can admit that part of my frustration with this story is that it feels really personal. A few years ago, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and I forget some of the specifics. I know he was playing Call of Duty. I know I was over at his house. I think he was on party chat talking with one of our mutual friends. And as they needed to run down some enemy, I heard him say, get that N-word something like that and I just remember being stunned I could not determine if I was more upset that he used it that he was using it in that context as you know whatever casual terminology or that apparently it just didn't click to him that if he was gonna say that kind of shit that he shouldn't say it at least while I'm in the room like, what was it about me that made it seem like, oh, well, I can say that around him. I can just belt this out. It's fine. So after the match, I, I believe I asked about that. It's just like, what what makes you think like, we've we've been friends. You know what I look like and who I am. And why would you do something like that? And he, he says that, well, I don't, you know, we don't say it like a, a race thing. You know, we, we just use it as a term for like dumb people or, or for stupid people, you know, or for assholes or whatever. And I was just, it, the idea that that disconnect could show up, that mental disconnect, it still actually shocks me a little bit, right? Like, and I, I asked, like, don't you think that when people started using that term and they were like, oh, I don't mean it as a racial thing, but they used that specific word. Don't you think there was a reason that word was chosen? Don't you think there's an association there that was intentional? And how did you like, did you think about how that would make me feel? What kind of respect that would show to me? whether I'm present or not, the idea that you exist in these situations, that you perpetuate these statements, uh, 
that are connected because they are connected to black people because that word is used for black people like I don't know I I just I was really stunned and we're we're friends and talked about it and as far as I know that's not something he does anymore but I know people connected to him did. I heard his girlfriend do it at the time. And I knew that it was not... A, it was just a, a cultural marker. It's the way that language works in groups. We adapt the language from people that we respect or that we spend time with and we echo those things back. And it's really, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that even with somebody who you're close to, these kinds of disconnects can happen. And this situation frustrates me because, I mean, I, I just, I do not believe there are some folks out there who say that PewDiePie misspoke and he did not misspeak. I can guarantee that this is a habit. This is a situation that has been perpetuated in his language likely for years around multiple people who he spends time with. And maybe this was just the first time that it got caught live. Or maybe this was just the first time that somebody cared. I don't know. But I do know that it it hurts to know that we can continue to there are people who will step up and heap adoration and praise on somebody who has, seems to have such a blatant disregard for just people that are not him between the death to all Jews prank and the propagation of alt-right and Nazi symbols in his videos and all of these things are just like oh well I just didn't know I think we need to have higher expectations for the people around us particularly the ones that are role models All right, folks, we're going to take a quick music break. I'm going to play a song that is a little down-tempo, but is from one of my favorite games, Mega Man Battle Network. Um, it brings back some nostalgia vibes, and I want to bring back the second half of the show on a little bit more of a positive note. So enjoy Hour of Fate, and I'll talk to you after the break.
I was hanging out with a friend of mine, Peachy Anna, who is a streamer here in Portland and a game writer. I was working on a game called Arcade Spirits that looks like it's going to be pretty fun, a visual novel. But we were talking about at PAX West just how many games are showing up on the Nintendo Switch. Like, for folks who were turned off of the Nintendo console by the Wii U, like I was, it's kind of shocking to see. Seriously, there were tons of games there that said, like, yep, we're coming out for Steam and we're coming out for whatever, and we're also going to debut on the Nintendo Switch. They showcased an event called uh, Nindies at Night, uh, the night on PAX Day Zero, where they had, I believe, 20 games, maybe over 20 games, that were all developed by indie uh, publishers that were going to premiere on the Switch. And I think that if I, if I had to make a conjecture, when the Wii U was starting to tank and the Switch was starting to first sort of emerge as a potential console, I think Nintendo hit a hard pivot. They realized that they were going to need to scoop up an audience that was not looking for 4K resolution, 60 frames a second, all the the intense stuff. Instead, they decided that they would shoot for games that were a little more nuanced. And with the portability of the Switch and its lower resolution display as opposed to many folks' TVs, reaching out to indie games where people are still making colorful, bright, uh, innovative presentations, even with possibly lower resources than most AAA games, it's kind of a natural fit for the Switch. During PAX West, I played a game called Masquerada. Uh, it's published by Yeesbrid Games, and it was interesting playing it on the Switch as opposed to seeing it on a large TV screen like I was used to. Masquerada is a sort of hybrid role-playing game slash uh, real-time strategy game where you have a, a party that you send into combat and then you can periodically stop combat to give orders to your individual units as they participate in battle. I will say that there is something about playing on the Switch that just didn't feel as immersive as playing the game on a large screen. That said, there might be something to the idea of playing a RPG that has a few hours worth of content in it in a, on a console that I can take with me. Even as somebody who doesn't do a lot of commuting, the ability to carry my console up to the living room and hang out with my housemates as opposed to sitting in my basement all night is kind of appealing. So I have to say that um, perhaps the Nintendo Switch is, I mean, we've already seen that it's a big hit, that it is really difficult for any stores to keep it on the shelves, but this may create a trend that has a, a larger splash than anticipated, and particularly since it looks like they are willing to go the distance on some games that may be a little bit uh, out of the teen range. We do have an announcement for No More Heroes 3 uh, coming up, which will probably still be on the M-rated side of things. 
I think the Nintendo Switch is going to be something to really look out for, uh, not just going into Q4, but into 2018. As I think back on the music break from today, and I think about the music in general from the Mega Man Battle Network series, I wonder if the music that I encounter in games today feels as iconic as those titles from when I was younger. There is a YouTube channel called Every Frame of Painting, and on this channel they did a video that basically asked why nobody remembers any music from Marvel movies. And if you think about it, think about the Captain America movies or the Avengers or any of those, what music from those movies do you remember? Probably not much. In contrast, if somebody asked you to whistle the theme to Indiana Jones or Star Wars, you'd remember those. And part of it was that uh, they actually they did a really fantastic analysis to talk about the ways that modern movies use so much essentially sampling from other successful movies with a similar mood uh, when they're going through the pre-production process that they don't really create soundtracks that feel iconic. In contrast, though, uh, video games pretty consistently have have soundtracks that set themselves apart and though I will admit I, I think I have to modify my question how many triple-a soundtracks do you really remember as I think about some popular franchises um, I do think that the sort of intro from destiny sounds kind of iconic but I think I mix it up with halo um, a lot of the really strong, memorable soundtracks, I feel like, come out of the indie scene. Where people are really working to set themselves apart from the competition. Soundtracks for games like Crypt of the Necrodancer, or Bastion, or Read Only Memories 2064. Um, they all have individual styles and really um, catchy soundtracks that are are pieces of music that are are great to listen to even when you're not playing a game i'd love to know what some of your favorite video game soundtracks are whether there's some old classics or maybe something newer that you feel like really set itself apart uh, go ahead and use that call-in button here on anchor if you are listening via anchor you can use that call-in button if you're listening with your favorite podcast app it is free and easy to download the anchor app it is a fantastic podcasting app that I've been using for quite some time. Then you can call in, you can get updates from the station right when they come up as opposed to waiting for the podcast to post on the next day. And uh, also tap into another really great Anchor community. So yeah, I would love to hear what game music are you into. Go ahead and let me know. Or... You can go ahead and post a message on our Twitter or Facebook page over at Let's Intelligame. All right, folks, that does it for us tonight here at Intelligame Radio. I'm your host, Josh Boykin, and new news, you can find me on Twitter at Wallstormer or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Wallstormer. If you're looking for more Intelligame content, swing on over to Intelligame.us. 
and you can also find IntelliGame on social media at Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's IntelliGame. Don't forget that Thursday we have our weekly live stream from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time over at twitch.tv slash Let's IntelliGame. And if you're looking to support IntelliGame and help these efforts continue, not just on Anchor and the podcast, but in the web abroad, you can swing over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Let's IntelliGame. It's fantastic talking with you folks. If you have any questions, comments, feel free to leave them either on social media or to go ahead and call in right here on Anchor. And I will talk to you tomorrow. But until then, keep IntelliGaming.